Well, Easter has come and gone. And I don't know about you, have you been wondering, well, what's really changed since last week? Certainly in our country, it's, it's good news is that our curve is flattening and there's light at the end of the tunnel. But across the globe, there, a lot of people are facing untold loss, untold grief, untold pain. So externally, not too much has happened. How about internally? Other than perhaps putting on a few extra grams, eating too many hot cross buns, or eggs or blocks of chocolate yeah you know, to be honest i prefer blocks of chocolate because you get far better value for money when you get chocolate that way but you know internally other than putting on a little bit of weight has much really changed in your life from last week to this week probably not and there's a reason for that and i will get to that later and so the first easter is very different to the easter we've celebrated two thousand years later the first easter turned the world upside down the resurrection of Jesus Christ changed everything once and forever. See, the cross without the resurrection would be the world's greatest tragedy. A good young man would be dead. An innocent man would have been executed. A great teacher, gone. A moral leader, uh, shut down, his voice silenced. A miracle worker, eradicated from the, the face of the planet. A powerful prophet silenced. Death would have prevailed. Evil would win. And mankind would be lost. See, all Jesus' claims about himself would have been false. And the hopes and the dreams of the disciples would have been shattered. And not just shattered for the first followers of Jesus. The reality is, without the resurrection, what we do, this whole church thing, whether it's online or physical, it's been a waste of time. In fact, Paul would tell us in Corinthians, and if Christ was not raised from the dead, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. Think about that for a moment. If, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then all you've been doing for however long you've been journeying in faith, Paul tells us, well, that's just a waste of time. And he's telling us what's even worse than a waste of time is that we would still be guilty of our sins. We'd still be under the burden of shame and guilt if Jesus hadn't raised from, wasn't raised from the dead. But the good news is that he was. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, God raised Jesus from the grave. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says, of us, it says, If the spirit of the one who resurrected Jesus from the dead lives inside of you, then you can be sure that he who raised him from the dead will cast the light of life into your mortal bodies through the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit residing in you. Try to understand the truth of that verse. That, that the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, He dwells inside of that. He resides inside of us. And so back to the question I asked at the beginning, I suggested that not much has probably changed internally for you after Easter. And we are in a very different position than the first disciples. Now, we don't need to wait once a year to, to celebrate and to receive forgiveness or celebrate resurrection power. We get to do that every day. We get to walk with the reality that the power of Jesus through his Holy Spirit lives in us. We get to show the world who Jesus was. And I said we get to do it because really it's a choice. It's a choice we can, well, it's a daily choice. 
and there are there are times when I may choose to do things that probably are, are less than what I believe God's calling of me to live. There's times when I choose not to do those things. There's times when I feel that I let him down. And maybe you're like that too. And it's times like that. There's times when I just feel that I'm I'm not I'm, I'm falling short of what I know God's calling me to do. It's at those times I need to take myself back to the cross. I need to take myself back to a place where I can receive the forgiveness that was already purchased for me. There are times when I can go back to the cross and receive and experience the unconditional love of Jesus for me. That I can remind myself that his blood cleanses me and washes me time and time and time and time again. It's times when I feel that I'm not living up to the, the standard that, that what I feel is should be right. There's times I need to remind myself of the amazing grace of Jesus. The amazing grace that not only forgives me, but the grace that empowers me to live the life that he calls me to live. And that grace is available to you, to you and to me, not once a year at Easter time. That is available to us every moment and every day. And so we don't need to waste to Easter to experience that. And so over the next few weeks, I want to look at Jesus's interaction with a few people between the resurrection and his return to heaven. Between It was a 40-day window uh, between those two events. And so the, the title of the sermon series is Between the Resurrection and the Return. And the context of the verses that we're looking at this morning is uh, we find ourselves in the Gospel of John and Mary Magdalene is just uh, being to the garden tomb. This is on the Easter Sunday, and the tomb was empty, and then she runs into what she thought was the gardener, and she was looking for Jesus. And and, I th- and Sarah mentioned this last Sunday in her Easter Sunday message, which was brilliant. She was saying that it was only when Jesus called Mary's name that she realized who he was. And we saw how deeply personal Jesus is. And I love that truth. I love the truth that there's times that we just need to keep our heart and our ears open to the voice of Jesus, to understand he knows your name. You are not forgotten. You are not just uh, someone on his to-do list. Each one of us is deeply, uh, well, he is deeply interested in us. And if we pause long enough, you'll hear him call your name. And when he calls your name, he won't be calling it out of aggression or out of judgment. He'll call it out of compassion. He'll, he'll call it out of love and, and calls each one of us to be who he's designed us to be. So he knows our name. He's deeply interested in us personally. And I want to encourage you, pause. If you need to, not pause the camera, but find time every morning, every day, whenever you need to, just to pause and listen. And to to listen to the name that Jesus is calling you. Anyway, so Mary, after the encounter with Jesus, she heads back to the uh, to the upper room or the house where the disciples were, and tells them, "Hey, I have met the risen Jesus." And so we'll go to verse chapter twenty, verse nineteen. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. You know, the disciples had every reason to be afraid of the Jewish leaders. Remember, this is the night of the resurrection. 
And so uh, they thought, well, they'd just seen the Jewish leaders had just had Jesus executed. And so they were pretty much trying to save their lives. And the Jewish leaders had thought they'd finally dealt a final blow to the rebellion led by Jesus. And so they crucified their leader. But now the body's missing. And uh, the, the rumor is, well, they're trying to spread the rumor that the disciples stole the body. And if I was a Jewish leader, I would be doing all I can to find those disciples and to, and to squash the rebellion right there and then and try to prove that Jesus was indeed dead. And so the disciples were hiding in fear of their lives from the Jewish leaders. Now, the disciples that knew the body had gone because Mary had told them and different accounts would tell us some ran to the tomb, some came back and some of them were confused as what, what's happened to Jesus? Is this body there? Is it not? Uh, they would have been going through a whole range of emotions, of uncertainty, of just wondering what is going on, you know, and so they would have been troubled, they would have been fearful, they would have been excited a little bit. And so the disciples are in this upper room, they're trying to process what is going on? And it's here we find Jesus just simply turns up. Jesus, the, the scripture tells us that Jesus, um, just suddenly, uh, Jesus was standing there among them. And here we read that in a, in a single moment, Jesus did something, said something, which, which affected their very innermost being. He said to them a single word. He said, peace. And in the same way that, that the word of Jesus previously on the, stormy, on the stormy sea, a word from Jesus brought peace to a troubled sea. A single word of peace from Jesus brought peace to their, their troubled and uncertain and, and anxious lives. A single word from Jesus can bring peace. Now this morning I'm wondering, is there something that's troubling you? Now, do you feel a little bit like those disciples? Maybe you're unsure. Maybe you're anxious. Maybe you're a little bit excited about something, but you don't know what's going on. Maybe you're troubled by what's going on in this world or what's going on in your family, what's going on in your finances. Can I encourage you that a, an encounter with Jesus, a voice from the Lord, can bring peace to you? In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, I am leaving you with a gift. He's talking to you. He is saying, the gift he's going to leave us is peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. A single word from Jesus can bring peace into your troubled heart. In Romans chapter 5 verse 1, uh, Paul says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. See, not only do we have the peace of God, which is so helpful in times of uncertainty, not just when this crisis is over or, or now, but peace with God is, is, is so good for us in our journey of life. Not only the peace of God, we have peace with God, that our relationship with God is at peace. I don't know about you, but every now and then, uh, sometimes I might have a bit of tension between, say, myself and my wife. Yeah, I know. I know you think that we have a perfect marriage. On the whole, it is. But there's times I know that there's something going on, usually my fault, that is causing a bit of tension. And there's, and you know what I'm talking about, there's this dis-ease among us. And so I'm not at peace with my wife. And I love it when the time comes and it's usually 
not me starting, it's normally Ali having the conversation, but there's times when we talk about it and we and we and we apologize and we remove that thing that separates us and then we have peace with one another and then that relationship is restored. And so peace with God and the peace of God are two different things. And I really believe that uh, what Jesus comes and what he came to give us is peace with God and to bring us his peace into our everyday life. And so an encounter with Jesus brings peace. The second thing an encounter with Jesus brings is joy. And so in verse 20, as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. I don't know about you, have you ever had someone come to you and say, um, hey, I've had an injury or I've just had surgery. Do you want to see my scar? And I know some people do. And some people just show you anyway, or if it's on a Facebook post, or sometimes you'll come across something, you I can't unsee that. And so sometimes looking at someone's scar, you go, ow, that is just uh, painful. And so um, it was, I don't know, I was thinking, well, what did the disciples think when they saw Jesus's scar? I think they'd be going, oh, not too sure how they felt about that. But, you know, there's something about seeing the scars of Jesus. There's something about... Uh, the wounds on his hands and his feet that actually brought great joy to the disciples. Now, you've heard me talk often about the difference between happiness and joy. And happiness tends to be external. Happiness tends to be very temporary. Happiness is when you go down the Easter egg aisle after Easter and you find the eggs that you like, white chocolate. Um, white chocolate lint bunnies are the best. Anyway, it, happiness is when you find them unspecial especially after Easter when, not that I found them yet, but I think Ali found them on sale. That makes me so happy. Happiness is when petrol stays low. Happiness is when you don't need to uh, fight at the supermarket for the things you're waiting for. See, happiness is that you didn't put on too much weight over Easter. Happiness is, uh, is, is when someone likes your Facebook comment or makes a, a positive comment about you. See, happiness is very external, but joy is very different. Joy is something deep inside. It's a deep satisfaction. The biblical meaning of joy is a thriving prosperity of heart. Joy is, it is when it, you, it is well with your soul. And the problem is today that people are seeking joy through external things. They're seeking joy through, through drugs or, or medication or alcohol or popularity or wealth or how much stuff they have or external romance. They're seeking joy in the wrong places and they cannot bring us lasting joy. They may bring us temporary happiness, but in fact, many of those things can be destructive to the joy of your soul and your heart. And so in this room we're talking about with the disciples, Jesus turns up and they discovered that an encounter with Jesus not only brings peace into their life, it brings them great joy. And it's far deeper than what the world could ever bring. And I want to encourage you that the joy that Jesus brings to you is far deeper than anything else you can possibly pursue. And the joy that Jesus brings lasts in the midst of whatever tragedy or whatever uncertain days lay ahead, whatever storms you may go through. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, But it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him. Our sins. He took the punishment and that made us whole. And through his bruises, we get healed. 
See, as I read the scripture, as I as I think about all that happened on Good Friday, you know what? That doesn't make me happy. As I consider the scars in his side and on his hands, as I consider the pain that he went through, I'm not happy about that. But it brings me great joy. It reminds me that the price for my peace and my joy has been paid. It brings me joy because I realize that what Jesus went through on the cross, that he did all that to give me peace with God. And this morning, I want to encourage you, you, you can be filled with true joy this morning. When we consider his hands and his side and all that he went through, we were reminded, you were reminded, I'm reminded of the price that he paid to secure my eternal peace and to secure my eternal um, future with God, but also to remind me that he is with me every moment and every day. So an encounter with Jesus brought them great peace and it brought them great joy. And the last thing we'll talk about this morning is John chapter 20, verse 21. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. See, over the years, the nation of Israel had developed a really distorted view of who they thought God was. They viewed God as a distant, ruthless tyrant who you could never make happy, a God who was disinterested in their affairs, a God who was unloving and harsh, and a God who was not willing to, uh, or a God of no grace. A God had a God who had some people were favorites, everyone else was rejected, and a God who didn't really give a rip about anyone else. That was the view of the God that the Jewish nation had sort of evolved and, and, and created. How wrong they were. And so the very reason that Jesus came was to say, hey, hang on a sec, if you want to know what God is like, I want you to look at me. Jesus came to reveal the true nature and the true character of the Father. In fact, in John chapter 14, Jesus was talking to one of his disciples, Philip. Uh, this is well before the crucifixion. And Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Here Jesus is uh, showing us that if you want to know what God is like, and you may be watching this message and you could be being part of our church family uh, recently or for years, or maybe you're watching this online. If you want to know what God is like, don't, don't look at or don't, don't think of the God of the, of the TV shows or the God of, of history or, the, or how God's portrayed in media. If you want to know what the Father is like, your Creator is like, your, your loving God, look at Jesus. And you'll see His incredible compassion towards you, His love for you. And Jesus <coughs> said to them, in the same way that God sent me to represent Him, I'm going to send you to represent me. And so they had a part to play in God's plan to to reveal the reveal father god to the world and so jesus comes and, and says i give you i bring with me joy i bring with me peace and i bring with me an understanding of our purpose that we are here to show the world the nature and the goodness of god and not only that we read in verse 22 then he breathed on them and said receive the holy spirit yeah, it's a bit like in the Garden of Eden when God created Adam and Eve out of the dust of the ground and then he 
breathe life into them. He fills them with life and power and, and gives them the authority to uh, have dominion and rule over creation. And so when, when Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit, Jesus is anointing them and filling them afresh with his very power to accomplish the task. What was the task? The task was that they would go forth and they would represent a good God to a world that is in desperate need of him. And so in a few weeks, we'll talk a little bit more about the coming of the Holy Spirit. But for now, I just want you to note that the, the disciples needed the power of God to accomplish the task that was set before them. And so as we wrap up this morning, for our disciples uh, back in the, the first Easter, we've seen how our encounter with Jesus 2,000 years ago brought them peace, brought them joy, and brought them a greater understanding of purpose and power. Now, we don't need to wait another 51 weeks for the next Easter to receive those gifts. They are available to you and to me today. And to be honest, I think we all need access to peace, to joy at different times during this week or this day. We need peace for our troubled souls. We need a deep joy in our heart letting us know that, you know what, God is at work. Whatever the foreground looks like, we can have great joy knowing that God is at work in the background, bringing about something good and beautiful for our lives. And in that space, an encounter with Jesus reminds us that we've got a part to play, that we've got something to do. We're not just random creations with no meaning to life. God's created us and placed us here to reflect his love and light to those around us. So as we close, I want to ask you the question, are you in need any of, of any of those things? Are you in need of of joy? Are you in need of peace? Are you in need of, of a renewed sense of purpose and, and, and power and the infilling of the breath of his Holy Spirit? If that's you this morning, I want to encourage you, you can simply ask for those things. You can, in a moment, we're going to pray and you can simply ask Jesus to, to fill you again and to, to bring with him the peace that he brings and the joy that he brings as he lives inside of us and perhaps this morning you've you've never really had peace with god maybe you're thinking oh i don't know really what it means to have peace with god in fact i think god still doesn't like me i still think that there's this this thing separating me and god if that's you this morning i want to tell you that you can have that that thing removed between you and god and that thing is called sin this morning you can have that sin removed and your relationship with god can be restored to perfection to a place when you're not feeling uncomfortable where you can have the peace of god and you can discover peace with god that's available for you today and so one more verse and then i'm going to pray romans chapter 3 verse 25 paul says for god presented jesus as the sacrifice for sin i'm sure i've read this verse before to you people are made right with god how am i right made right with god how do i have peace with god well, simply when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. That was the message of Easter. And so this morning, we have access to the peace and the joy that Jesus brings. So let's pray this morning. So Father God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that, you, that you've given us your life-giving word that can instruct us and help us to live the life you've called us to live. And as we reflect the journey over these time between the resurrection and the return 
Lord, I pray that we'd understand that Jesus, you've come to give us peace and you've come to give us joy and you've come to give us power and purpose. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to receive that. Help us to understand they're free gifts and, and we get to walk in peace and joy and purpose. But it's a choice that we make. So I pray for each one of us this morning that we would be willing to receive those gifts, that we'd be willing to ask you for them and simply just wait on you and simply allow your Holy Spirit to refresh us and fill us and give us all that we need to give us the peace we need, the joy we need and to open our eyes to the, to the fullness of the purpose and power you've given us to be light, salt and light in the world you put us in, in our work or at our school or well, when we get back to school or in our, or our online groups or wherever we may go, that we'd be salt and light to our neighbours. And Lord, I also pray this morning for anyone here that has never had peace with you. Jesus, I ask that, that they would simply ask you to come into their heart, that they would pray. In fact, if you're here, just pray these words with me. We'd say, thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you died so I could be made right with God. And I ask you into my life. I, I, I ask you to come and reside in me and give me the peace of God and the peace with God. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you, if you prayed that last prayer, I want to encourage you. We, we, we've got a gift we'd like to give to you. And so simply just, uh, there's an email address down the bottom. Uh, it'd be uh, newlife at hcc.org.au. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, please email me and I'd love to send you a gift uh, just to help you walk this journey of being a friend of Jesus. So for everyone else, thank you for your time and I pray that you have an amazing week walking in peace and joy and power and purpose. God bless.